together again. Amen. Ever since we have been gathering in this fashion, that song, We Are Together Again, is just always in my mind. You know, we're together again, just praising the Lord. We're together again in one accord. Something good is about to happen. Something good is in store. We are together again, just praising the Lord. It's a wonderful time to be alive and to be praising the Lord. Amen. Amen. God is good. And we are so privileged to have the opportunity to serve Him. Oh my goodness. I know oftentimes when we think about um, serving, it, it never seems like a privilege. It seems like it, it's it's a chore. It seems like it's um, a burden. But I tell you, to serve the Almighty God is such a wonderful privilege. Amen. I look forward to serving the Lord. And so glad to be with you all this evening. It's Thursday night. It's Bible study time. And I hope you will get settled in with your, for some of you, you have your um, your discipleship student handbook. Hopefully you have a notebook or um, something you can take notes with and you have something where you can um, find the scriptures in. And so we are ready to go as we dig into the word of the Lord. We're still studying the life of Noah and the flood. And the series have been a blessing to me, um, has pushed me to look a little deeper into the scriptures, especially these scriptures, to see what actually took place and get more insight of the things that God did then and Noah's life and how he conducted himself. And so it's a wonderful study that I believe that we've been going through in just looking at Noah, the ark, what the Lord did during that time. And so we welcome you to Christ-Centered Church, the church where Christ is the central focus. Amen. And so we are excited again to be together and to be able to study the Word of God together. And so let's go before the Lord in prayer and just ask His blessing and guidance and direction upon our Bible study tonight and ask Him to help us that we will come away uh, with more insight uh, words that we can implement in our everyday life, words that will help us to grow, and words, more importantly, that will draw us closer to Him. So let's get together and let's pray and ask God to help us tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we give you the honor, we give you the praise, and we give you all of the glory, for all the glory belongs to you, O God. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that we can come together one more time. We are your people who are called by your name, and we humble ourselves tonight one more time before you, under your banner, and just seeking your purpose, your will for our lives, and seeking to be closer to you. Father, I pray tonight that nothing will hinder us from true communion with you, from true interaction with you. And we ask, Lord God, that you will search our hearts, know our ways, search our mind, know our thoughts. If there be any wicked way in us, we pray that you will lead us to the everlasting. Yes. 
Father, we pray that you'll purge us from all unrighteousness, cleanse us from all iniquities, wash us by your word, with your word, that we may be clean, that we can be sanctified, that our minds and our hearts, Lord God, will be in tune with the Spirit and the Word of God. Father, I pray that you will speak to us, that you will unite us as one in the Word and in the Spirit tonight as you convey your Word to us, as you give us understanding and revelation. I pray, Father, that we will be better off after studying your Word tonight than even before we got into this study. I pray, Lord God, that you will bless each and every one of us wherever we are, Lord God. I pray that the power of God will just sweep over us. Woo! That sweet spirit of the Holy Ghost that will just sweep over us and move in us wherever we are, every home, every person that are gathered to hear, to receive, and to participate in what you're doing, Lord. I pray that your presence, Lord God, will just sweep and move among us and in us, Lord God. Will you bless our time of studying your word and help us, Lord, for we look to you for everything. We pray and ask you these things. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. 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 Once again, don't forget, keep uh, the Scarlet and the Thomases in your prayer. Um, we are still mourning the loss of our brother, father, husband, friend, uncle, and everything else. We are still mourning that loss. And so the family needs strength. Pray for them. The family needs guidance. Pray for them. And we want God's will to be done in their life. So continue to keep them in your prayer. Um, I also want you to join with me and pray for my um, dear aunt in Jamaica. Her name is Sonia Dixon. Uh, we had started praying for her. She had received a stroke. And we were praying for her. And um, she were really bad off when, when we received the news of her receiving the stroke. And we began to pray. And she sent us a video today showing us that she's walking on her own. Amen. And so um, she, she was happy about that. So Amen. she had to send us the video. And um, my heart break because I, I wanted to, I had some visits that I needed to make before the coronavirus um, just started um, moving so rapidly around the world. And I wanted to go to Jamaica to see my aunt and um, didn't get a chance to see her. And I, I spoke to my mom yesterday, and I, I asked her, I said, how is Auntie Sonia doing? And she said that um, the last time she checked, she heard she were doing good and, you know, trying to move about. And lo and behold, um, my mom spoke to Auntie Sonia today, and she said, what's going on with Wayne? <laughs> oh, Auntie Sonia, she, she is not happy that her, her, her uh, nephew haven't reached out to her yet, so... I will reach out to her tomorrow. I certainly will call her tomorrow and give her a shout. And so keep her in your prayer for me that she will recover completely. Um, all her uh, limbs will be strengthened and she'll be strong and can just walk on her own. And her speech will get better because it was bad when she first received the stroke and now it's getting better. So continue to keep her in your prayer. I really would appreciate that. Um, I, I, I want God to touch her in a special way. We still need to get her saved. And so keep her in your prayer for me. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 7, verse number 1. We're going to do verse number 1, verse number 5, verse number 7, and then verses 13 through 16. So 
let's start in Genesis chapter 7, verse number 1. We are in the lesson, the old gospel ship. The old gospel ship is the lesson that we're going to delve into tonight and discuss a little bit. And this is a powerful, powerful lesson. Um, it's something that I believe will be a blessing to us and to others if we really take this in the way the Lord wanted to receive it. Amen. You know, um, the Word of God, before we start, to read, start reading, the Word of God, the Bible says the Word of God is spirit and it's life. Uh, there are times when we can read the Bible or even in our own life, we treat things as, as just so common and natural. And we don't realize that there's a spiritual component that's taking place in, in things that are happening. And you have to be careful not to look at everything that's going on as something tangible and physical that's going on. Because there's things that's happening in the background that you and I, you and I cannot really see, we don't know. But eventually we will see that there was always something else going on. And so when you read the Word of God, when you study the Word of God, when you look into the Word of God, when you uh, get clarity and understanding, please understand that there's still spiritual components that's taking place in what you're seeing. And even if you don't see it and don't always understand it, there is a spiritual component. And so you never want to just take things so literally in the natural that you just you know, overlook the spiritual that is taking place in the scriptures that we read. So let's go to Genesis chapter 7, verse number 1. The word of the Lord says in verse number 1, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Those are some powerful words the Lord spoke to Noah. Uh, Genesis 7 and 5, And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. Let's read that again. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. What the Lord commanded him, the Bible says Noah did all. Uh, we are a people that want to do some of what God says. We don't want to do all of what God says. Yeah. You know, I always like to say we, 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 we like to pray sometimes and, and see God do, do great things, but we don't like to fast. And so we want to do some of what God wants us to do, but we don't want to do all of what God wants us to do. God, you know, gives us times where we need to sacrifice, and so we, 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 we don't like to sacrifice. And so we want to do some of what God wants us to do. We don't want to do all of what God wants us to do. We need to pray and say, God, help me to do all you want me to do. Not some. I'm not comfortable just saying, well, I'm doing this part and, and I'm striving. I'm doing my best to do. No, I am trying to do my best, but I want to do all that God wants me to do. Somebody want to do all? Because I want to do all, not just some. Amen. Genesis 7 and 7 and Noah went in, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Verse number 13. 
In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They all went into the ark. Verse 14, they and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. Noah walked through the ark one last time, making sure all the animals and provisions were loaded. For the last seven days, he and his family had watched in amazement as every kind of land animal came voluntarily into the vessel engendered pairs. It was a miracle. The animals didn't fight with each other and instead walk up the ramp in a peaceful and orderly fashion. It took a week just to load the ark, and now everything was ready. Noah's family joined him on the ark and then watched a second miracle as the massive door in the side of the ark closed and sealed itself without their help. So two miracles real back to back right there. The animals began to walk into the ark on their own. Noah didn't go in the field and start saying, cow, get in. He didn't go in the field and say, horsey, get in. He, he, he stood by or in the ark while these animals began to just walk in in the pair that they were supposed to walk in. So God was the one that called the animals into the ark and they came in. As they came in, then everyone was in, Noah and his family all of the animals that needed to be in, all of a sudden that massive door in the side of the ark slammed shut and was sealed. All the handiwork of God. It was the hand of God that led those animals inside the ark. It was the hand of God that slammed that ark door shut and sealed. And so God did two miracles back to back right then and there. The family knew it was God who closed the ark's door, and the moment they had been waiting for had arrived. The flood started. The rain started. The, the, the rain was coming from out of the sky. Water was coming from out of the ground. And just everything just began to be flooded. And the ark began to move and began to float as this massive storm came. Noah's family made a complete round through the ark, checking all the animals, making sure they were fed and secure in their stalls. Listen to this. Maintaining this floating zoo was now a full-time job. 
So the, the, the very first zoo, if you will, was a floating zoo. It wasn't the Philadelphia Zoo or the zoo someplace else around the world. It was a zoo that was just floating on water. That was the first zoo because Noah had all the animals to come in. And when all the animals came in, they were in the zoo. And now they had to take care of all the animals. So that ark wasn't just a place of safety for people, but it was a place of safety for the animals. And in that, Noah and his family now was the caretaker of the animals. <laughs> God has a plan. Somebody say, God has a plan. His plan is so perfect that it's all working together for the good. And we can't see it all the time. We, 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 we get a little frustrated how God wants us to do things. But church, I'm here to tell you, hold on and obey God. Hold on and obey God. He's got a plan. And that plan is perfect and it will work for our good. Everything will come together. Everything will work just the way God wants it to do. Want it to work. We just have have to understand that God has a plan and it will be inclusive and it will work perfectly. Amen. The destruction Noah and his family witnessed is hard to imagine. Never before had the world been subjected to a cataclysmic flood destroying everything. Well, almost everything because Noah, his family, and the animals weren't destroyed. It was not happenstance that God spared Noah and his family. It wasn't by accident. They weren't lucky. <laughs> in lessons one and two in the series, we looked at how God favors those who chose righteousness and commitment to God. This lesson will explore the next major idea from the life of Noah. God favors those who obey him. Somebody say it with me. God favors those who obey Him. We love to say, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. We love to say that. But I'm telling you, you might think you're blessed and highly favored, but if you're not obeying God, trust me, you're not blessed and highly favored. You may be living on borrowed time. You may be living on the mercies of God, but it's not being blessed and highly favored. It's God showing us mercy. If we're not walking in obedience, we're not blessed and highly favored. We're just walking in the mercy of God. The reason Noah's family was spared from God's judgment on the ancient world is because Noah was obedient to what God asked him to do. So Noah and his family were spared because God, because Noah was obedient to what God asked him to do. The importance of this cannot be overstated. In fact, it is mentioned so many times in the text that we read how Noah was obedient to what God commanded him to do. Noah's obedience to God was the outcome of the relationship he had established long before the flood arrived. Church, I, I, when I was younger, I remember growing up in Jamaica when they used to say, there's going to be a day when God returned and everybody's going to be running and trying to figure out how to either hide or either how they can get uh, become saved during that time. 
And I'm here to tell you this. It sounds good that if we only knew when God will save us, we will get saved. Mm. But I'm telling you, that is deception. Believe me when I tell you, church, if we're not into God now, if God give us couple hours tomorrow to get right because he's coming back, we still wouldn't get right. Because you have to want this. You have to have a desire to want to be saved. You have to want to love God. You have to want to live for God. It has to be something that you desire, that you're passionate about, that you're saying, that's what I want. We keep thinking that we can just get saved on a whim because we realize the danger. But I'm here to tell you, when it comes down to living for God, when it comes down to heaven, you can't just get saved overnight. You can't just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart because doing that, if God knows our heart, He knows what we think, He knows what we believe, and speaking things out loud don't mean we really believe it, don't really mean we're living it. And so we can't trick God and say, oh, I believe. We can't trick God. We have to obey God. And the only way you're going to obey God is over a period of time. When you come to learn who he is and you understand how much he loves you and what he has done for you, that's the kind of life that moves you. That's the kind of passion that drives you to say, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to stick with God. I'm going to follow God because you realize who he is. We just won't get up and follow him on a whim if we don't know who he is. And so we keep telling ourselves, I'm going to get right. I'm going to do it. I know we're living in the end time. We can see. Everybody can see. The end of time is coming. And God is getting ready to return. People are not going to get saved that way. People are not going to get saved because they just think, oh, the end is coming. We talked about this so often that when 9-11 happened, oh, my goodness, the the attendance uh, to, to church services increased astronomically. And after time started waning, people stopped coming to church because they started going to church because they thought 9-11 had had shown us that we were close to the end. So the bottom line is they were going to church not for Jesus. Mm -hmm. They weren't going because they, 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 they wanted to have a relationship with Christ. They were going because they thought they could escape. If there was going to be destruction in the world, they can escape it. And that's why they were going to church after 9-11. And see, their true colors were shown after a little while. Because I'm here to tell you that if you're going to have a true relationship with God, it's going to have to be something that gets built over time. You can't have a real relationship with God in just a jiffy, in just a moment. It's going to have to be something that you worked on. It's going to have to be something that, that, that was just just... It became what it is over many years. Noah's obedience to God was the outcome of a relationship he had established long before the flood. And here we are today, there's a day coming when Jesus will return, and we have to cultivate a relationship with him now. We can't wait till when we think that, oh my goodness, God is getting ready to come back, even though we don't know when he's coming back. But we will think we have a sense of when he's coming back, and we think we will be able to get it together and get right, right at the the end. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't get it together now, you won't get it together right at the end. We need to seek God now. Not wait till we think we have a little bit more time. The three big ideas discussed in this series so far 
are interrelated. The first uh, in the first study in, in in this study with Noah, we we see righteousness in an unrighteous world. Then we studied commitment that you got to be committed to the to the commandments of God. And now in this lesson, we're studying obedience to God. All of this work hand in hand. Righteousness, commitment, and obedience to God. It all works hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other two. Right. Noah's example is, an, is important because he is the first person whose interaction with God resulted in God's special favor and a covenant relationship. Right. Noah set a pattern for us to follow and obedience to God is a key element. Amen. Noah showed us the pattern that we need to follow. And, and if we follow it, we will have great success. But the key is obedience, obedience to God. It is easy to talk about obedience, but the real proof is always found in action. Somebody say action. Action. Obedience is demonstrated. Somebody say that. Obedience is demonstrated, not simply professed. Oh, obedience is not is not something you profess. Obedience is something you demonstrate. It's something you do. It's not something you say. Ah. The biblical picture of a loving God is not a verbal proclamation. I love you, Lord. We love to say that. I love you, Lord. Rather, the best way to show God you love Him is obeying Him. Amen. Not just speak a word saying, I love you, Lord. It's easy to say, I love you, Lord. Yeah. But when you obey Him, you tell Him more that way than just speaking out of your mouth, I love you, Lord. Yeah. In John chapter 14, verse number 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's true. Clear as day. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, tell me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You remember, this, you remember the scripture in John? It says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter kept saying, responding to God, you know I love you. And he got irritated on the third time. Like, you know I love you, Lord. And then the Lord says, would you love me? Feed my sheep. The first time he said, feed my lamb. Then he said, feed my sheep. So God is always showing us, if you love him, then show him. Don't tell him you love him if you're not showing him. He don't want you to just, just say sweet stuff to him. He wants you to follow up that sweet stuff you're saying with sweet stuff you're doing. So if we love him, we will keep his commandments. Love is not a proclamation only, but love is something we demonstrate. Straight. Uh, obedience is not just a proclamation, but obedience is something we demonstrate. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. This is good. When God rescued the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, they journeyed into a desert place and at Mount Sinai established a covenant relationship with the Lord. Within the law of Moses was a call to love God with their whole being. We know that's Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. And with their obedience. So in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, you'll see that the Lord commanded them to love Him with their entire being and be obedient. Mm -hmm. 
In Moses' final speech to the people before his death, he made multiple appeals to love God by carefully obeying his commandments. Mm -hmm. Then his successor Joshua repeated the same emphasis to the people. Love God with your obedience. We need to love God with our obedience. We can't just say we love Jesus. I love Jesus. He is my Lord and my Savior. We like to just make these cliche statements. God is looking for people that will show that they love Him. That will show that they will obey Him by the actions that they do and not just by the things that they say. Have you ever encountered people who profess a love for God, but their actions do not align with Scripture? Oh, don't, don't give them a hard time when you see that. You just got to know. We have to be real skilled in how we treat people, deal with people, because you can see sometimes that what people are saying about God is contradictory to how they're living. Please don't go and give people a hard time where you can't be saved or you can't be righteous or you can't be this. No, when you see the contradictory where you know what the scripture says and it's contradictory to how they're living, just live the life so they can see the right way. Don't tell them how messed up they are and tell them that they're wrong. Live the life to show them and make them see that they are erring in their way and hopefully they can turn it around. This idea is not just found in the law of Moses. The most direct statement about loving Jesus is found in the Gospel of John. I just read one of it, but I'm going to read some more of it that you will see that if we love God, we keep his commandments. I'm going to read in the NET version in John chapter 14. I'll read verse 15, 21, and 23 in the NET version. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. The person who has my commandments and obeys them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will love, will, will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and take up residence in him. Right. Mm -hmm. Scripture clearly proclaims that our obedience to God's commandments is what proves we love him. If we want God's favor, then we must love and obey Him. If we want God's favor, then we must love and obey Him. If we want God's favor, then we must love and obey Him. Remember what I'm telling you. Experiencing God's mercy is not the same as obtaining God's favor through love, through obedience, through commitment, through righteousness. It's not the same. And oftentimes, because we're experiencing the mercy of God, we think that we're okay. Mercy will run out. But if we will be righteous, if we will be committed to God, if we will be obedient to His commandment, that can't run out. But mercy can run out. Right. Amen. We, we don't want to confuse mercy for obedience to God's Word. We get the favor of God. We obtain the favor of God when we are obedient. Noah's story, his action of both building and then living on the ark 
teach us that obedience requires patience. <laughs> obedience requires patience. We do not know how long it took Noah to build that huge ark, but it was not quick. We know that. For many years, likely decades, Noah and his family labored to construct a flooded, worthy vessel as they were obedient to God's instructions. Then after construction was completed and the flood began, Noah's family spent over a year living on the ark with all the animals. Twelve and a half months is an extremely long time to stay cooped up inside a ship with hundreds of animals. But guess what? It was necessary. It's like right now. I'm telling you, forgive me if I'm stepping on your toes, but people are complaining about being cooped up in the house. Oh, this coronavirus. Oh, I can't take it anymore. How long do I have to be cooped up in the house? Church. When we're talking about life and death here, what are we talking about? Come on. When we're talking about life and death, what are we worried about? Yeah. If we don't stand cooped up in the house, we're going to be well and, and stay healthy and be okay. But if we go outside, we're taking chances that we can get sick and die and lose our life. What is there to discuss? Yeah. Let's be cooped up. Amen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, and let's not be stupid because, you know, as Christians, we like to say, well, I know God's got my back. I know God's got my back. He showed me many times. But guess what? I'm not going to not do my part. Right. The Bible says, in case you need this, so this is for somebody. The Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you. That includes spiritual leaders, but it also includes the world that we live in and the leaders that govern our society. And if our government is saying, stay in. If our government is saying, don't gather in crowds of ten or more. If all those things that they're saying, that's our government making a decision to say we should not do these things. Right. If we're going to be real Christians, then we ought to listen to them. Amen. <laughs> and so, these things that they're telling us, we need to listen is it because we're afraid to contract? No, we're not saying we're afraid. We're saying we're going to do our part. Hear me. If you want God to bless you, you have to be righteous. That's right. That's and so you think you think God's blessing is going to be on you when you say, I can care less what the government say. I can care less what the governor say. I'm going to do whatever I want. That kind of attitude don't cover you by God. God can't cover that kind of Amen. honorary attitude. God can't cover that. That's he covers right. someone that's righteous. He covers someone that's obedient. He covers someone that's committed to Him. Right. So we can't just ignore the, the, the guidelines and the rules that our government is setting for us and yeah. say, well, I'm a Christian. I do it. No. Come on now. That's, what, that, that's one of those things we're making our good be evil spoken of. That's good. So we can go out there and say, I know God's got me. But if you're going to say God's got you so you can disrespect and disregard the leadership of our government, then you're letting your good be evil spoken of. You can't win those people to the Lord if you're going to disregard them. And if we're trying to win every single person, we need to look for every opportunity to win them. Somebody amen. say amen. Amen. Sometimes God asks us to do something that can be accomplished quickly while other assignments take much longer. Mm -hmm. Simple tasks that are accomplished quickly 
do not demonstrate our obedience the way long assignments do. And so maybe that's where we become challenged when we get, when God is calling us to do something for a long period of time, we don't want to do it. And something that comes to mind really quickly is like teaching a Bible study. God might might put somebody on your heart for you to get a Bible study chart, get your Bible, and, and put some effort into spending, you know, nine weeks, twelve weeks, even longer, teaching them every week the Word of God. And God might want you to do that, and because you see that that's a long commitment, you kind of disregard the voice of God. You're disregarding God's direction and guidance because you know that's a long-term commitment. But then God might wake you up in the morning and say, pray for so-and-so. And you jump right on that. Why? Because how long is it going to take you? Five minutes, seven minutes, ten minutes to pray for someone and you're done? And so we have to be careful that we're not just okay with the short-term instructions God gives us, but with the long-term ones, the long-term commitments, we're like, oh, I don't know about that. We can't just hear God's voice when it's convenient. That's right. <laughs> True discipleship requires long obedience, not short bursts. Ah, true discipleship requires long obedience, not short bursts. If we're going to help people know who Jesus is and disciple them, it's going to take a long time. But if we, you know, are not doing things like that, it's different. And so the true discipleship requires a long obedience. But, but some things will just be a short burst. That will not cultivate long obedience in your life. At times, being obedient to what God asks us is difficult and costly, but it comes with a blessing that is often overlooked. What's that blessing when God tells us to do things that seem difficult, but it's costly? What is that costly thing? But but here we go. We overlook that, that blessing, that blessing that God brings with us having to be obedient for a long period of time. What's that blessing? Mm -hmm. Safety. <laughs> Just simply, safety. A lot of times God is telling us to do things. Why? Because it's going to keep us safe. Right. Mm. Uh, God is saying, do this and do that, and we're just, we're getting frustrated with God, not understanding that what God asks us to do is for our own good. Safety. <laughs> Somebody say safety. Especially in a time like these, in times like these, we need to realize safety is important. In Noah's case, his family was tucked away safely inside the ark. While the world outside was destroyed by God's judgment. Do not miss this symbolism. Noah's family literally floated upon the destruction of the world because they were obedient to God. Let me say it a different way. What will destroy some of us will save some of us depending on our obedience to Almighty God. What will destroy some of us can save some of us depending on our obedience to Almighty God. That flood saved Noah. Mm -hmm. 
while the same flood destroyed the rest of the world. Amen. So while Noah and his family That's and good. the animals was in the ark, they were floating on top of that flood. That's how the ark was able to move was because of the flood, was because of all that water. That's how the ark moved and floated was the flood. But yet and still there were people all over the world at that time that was being destroyed by that same flood. The same flood that destroyed destroyed the world was the same flood that was used to save Noah, his family, and all those animals. Somebody need to thank God for that. Thank you, Jesus. When we are obedient to what God asks us to do, we are spared from many dangers and traps the enemy of our soul puts in our path. People who are faithfully obedient to God's instruction do not wander off the straight and narrow road that leads to salvation. Often we are not even aware of the dangers lurking in the shadows. As a good father, God desires to protect us from harm. If you want to keep your soul safe, then stay obedient to the commandments of God. Mm. Another aspect of obedience is the is is highlighted by the family of Noah when they joined him in the ark. Now this is something that caught my attention. Obedience to God's commandment must be personal. Come on. Somebody say personal. Obedience to God's commandments must be personal. And so Noah spoke to his family about what God was doing, what they needed to do, and how they would go about it. But they still had to make a personal commitment to obedience, a personal one. Not because Noah was given instruction by God did they have to follow what Noah was doing. They had to make their personal commitment that they would follow because they believe Noah had heard from God. There is a corporate aspect to God's instructions that are to be observed by a community. Noah's family entered the ark. The nation of Israel obeyed the law of Moses. Many in Acts 2 were baptized after hearing the message on the day of Pentecost. But in addition to the collective observance of God's instructions, the reality is that each of us must make the choice whether to obey God or not. All of us have to, it has to come down to a personal, internal thing where we make a declaration, where we make a decision, where we put into action whether or not we will obey God. Mm -hmm. Noah's wife, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and their three wives were all saved from the flood because they each entered the ark. Could you see Noah went in, his wife went in, two of his sons went in, the third son went in, but the third son wife decided, ah, I think you guys are wrapped up in some crazy stuff. You all built this big old boat and all this stuff and thought that you heard from God, I'm good. You all can get in that boat all by yourself. You can get in that ark by yourself and let those crazy animals come in with you. I'm good. Can you imagine? Somebody out of the whole eight of them could have said that. One of them could have said, I'm good. Mm -hmm. 
But all eight made a personal decision to obey God for themselves. No matter how much you hear from the preacher, no matter how much you hear from some loving Christian person, you still need to make the decision to obey God on your own. It has to be a personal thing. you got to decide. For me personally, I will obey God. My Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If we want to experience the favor of God, then we must choose obedience. At the end of our journey, we will all stand before God as an individual. When we open, when, 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 when He, God, opens the book of life, we are responsible for our own obedience and cannot rely on the actions of others. I'm almost there. And so, there is a strong parallel between Noah's obedience in building the ark and our obedience to the gospel message. It took a great amount of faith for Noah to build a giant ark for the preservation of his family and the animal kingdom. Nothing like what God warned him about had ever happened before. Most likely Noah did not fully understand what he had agreed to do when he started building the ark. It was by faith that Noah was obedient and found salvation. God, I'm telling you, think about yourself. When you started out on this journey, when God called you to get saved, when God revealed himself to you to get saved and you repented and you got baptized in Jesus' name, God filled you with his spirit and you started. You didn't know what kind of journey you were on. You still don't really know what kind of journey you're on. But what we are doing is being obedient and we're following Christ by faith. By faith, Noah, when he was warned about things not yet seen, with, with, with reverent regard, constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. Through faith, he, his family, through faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. That's Hebrews 11 and 7 in the NET version. Like Noah, when we hear the gospel message of the revelation of Jesus Christ, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We must respond in faith and become obedient to God's command. When we first start our Christian walk, we don't understand what we're getting into, but we respond by faith. Somebody say by faith. Most of the people we will encounter here in North America have not heard or experienced what awaits them in Pentecost. Fortunately for us, God responds to our faith and obedience while we grow in our understanding. God honors Noah's faith and obedience to salvation project much larger than Noah could comprehend. And he will do the same for us today. Because Noah responded to God by faith and obedience, he and his family were saved. If we will respond to the gospel message today by faith and obedience, then we too and our families will be saved. Noah's obedience to God also meant he lived differently than the unrighteous world around him. Mm -hmm. Church, you know my stance on this. 
I don't know why we're so concerned about why our life is so different from everybody else. I don't know why we try to fit in with everyone else. When if we're going to be like Noah was, we're going to we're going to stand out. We're going to look different. We're going to act different. But guess what? We're going to be saved, and everyone that will be saved will be doing the same things, and everyone that's not going to be saved will be doing the same things. We can't be concerned why we look different. We can't be concerned why we act different. We just have to know that what we're doing is what's going to give us eternal life. What we're doing is how we cultivate a real relationship with Christ. So we can't worry about it. Amen. Be confident. Be bold. Be gracious. Embrace who you are as a child of Christ being different from everyone else around you that is not a child of Christ. In the self-same manner, as we journey towards God, we put greater distance between us and the things of this world. My God, isn't that true? The more you grow in Christ, the more you come to know Christ, the more distance you put between yourself and this world. This is at the core of the pursuit of holiness. Learning to separate ourselves unto God and away from the ungodliness of this world. This walk towards holiness starts with knowing who Jesus is. Repentance, genuine sorrow for wrong actions and a change of direction in behavior. Repentance is a key element in our response to God. Somebody say amen. Amen. The very water that destroyed the world in the flood is the same water that saved Noah's family as they floated on its surface. Mm -hmm. Peter picked up that image in his first epistle and used the flood as a representation, symbolic picture of baptism. Uh, After responding to God in faith and repenting of our sinful lifestyle, the next step in our walk, with Christ is to go down in the waters of baptism. God chose through the agency of baptism in the name of Jesus to remove our sins. Like repentance throughout the New Testament, there are many examples and explicit commands to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. There are many things we can learn from Noah's example and this lesson Focused on his obedience. Just as Noah found God's favor and salvation through his obedience, we also find God's favor and salvation in our obedience to the gospel message. Biblical love for God is demonstrated by carefully observing all his commandments for us. And our obedience requires patient endurance. Following God's instruction may be costly, but it keeps us safe. Finally, as we respond in faith to the gospel message, we must be obedient to the commands of repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. I close in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. 
And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's band were loose, and the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, the prisoner did, and sprang it, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, the jailer, I should say, did, and brought them out and said, Sirs, this is key. What must I do to be saved? Somebody hear the word of the Lord tonight. This is clear Bible. The keeper of the jail was so afraid, he thought he needed to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had, had got free while he was asleep. And it is his responsibility to keep the jail and keep the prisoners. And if they had escaped, his life would have been taken. So he was getting ready to take his life. And Paul said, no, do thyself no harm. And when he realized what Paul had said to him, and he knew who Paul and Silas was, and that they were men of God, he went to his knees and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Remember, you hear me tell you all the time, we have to know how to explain to people how they can get saved. And so here it is. The, the, the jailer asked, how can he be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt, key word, shall be saved and thy house. So the first thing he pointed out was, until you get a revelation and understand who Jesus is, you can't be. He didn't say this. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, meaning, get an understanding of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, and you will be. Not that you are saved. This is why we can't say, just believe and you're saved. When you believe, when you get an understanding, when you get a revelation, you will be saved because that understanding, that revelation, that knowledge is what leads you to become saved. Amen. Not be saved immediately. Verse 32, And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in the house. So, guess what? Now they start to explain to him who Jesus is. Now they started to explain to him repentance and baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They started teaching him the things that needs to happen in their life for them to be saved. Verse 33, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straightway. So when somebody said, what must I do to be saved? We can't just tell them, believe. We have to tell them, 
You got to know that Jesus Christ is Almighty God manifest in flesh and that He came into this world to be the human sacrifice, to be the sacrificial lamb for every one of us. And He laid down His life. He gave His life. And so He shed His blood. He died. He was buried. He rose. And, and now He lives forever. He did that so we can be saved. And this same Jesus is who sits on the throne today. And when we get to heaven, we will see the same Jesus. When we tell them that, that's when they come to their understanding to realize, okay, then what must I do to be saved? Repent of your sins. Be baptized in Jesus' name. God will fill you with His Spirit. And you live a holy and righteous life until He calls you home. Amen. Both Noah and the Philippian jailer saw, I'm sorry, both Noah and the Philippian jailer showed us that when we are obedient to God, He will bless us with His favor. Noah obeyed God and was spared from the destruction of the flood. The Philippian jailer was obedient to the gospel message and his entire family was baptized. To find God's favor, we must also obey the gospel by responding in faith, finding repentance, being baptized in Jesus' name, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. The old gospel ship. There's a scripture that I saw in Exodus, I believe, and it was just fitting to our lesson. In Exodus chapter 20, verse number 6, the scripture says, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. There's something about loving God by keeping his commandment that will give you favor. That will keep you safe. That will protect you. That will preserve you. And that's what this lesson is all about, church. That if we will show our obedience to God indeed, not just what we say, our obedience to God by doing what He says, obeying His commandments, right. we will obtain favor from God and we will be preserved and be saved and be safe if we will trust the Lord and take Him at His word. Amen. I wish we could have asked some questions and interact a little bit as we close out tonight. For as you know, when we're together, there were times when I would just take questions and we would just uh, discuss some things and and, and kind of go over some thoughts. And um, I feel like I could do that tonight, but what are you going to do? We're limited in how we are interacting. But if you have any questions, you can send it in. Uh, maybe I can respond to it um, Saturday at prayer um, before we start praying and we can go from there. But... If we will trust the Lord and we will learn to live a life of obedience, Amen. we're going to see so many great things. And more importantly, we're going to experience the favor of God and we know that we will be safe. And so it is very important that we obey God because it's what gives us favor. Amen. I appreciate you being attentive tonight once again and connecting 
as I've been bragging on this church, I've been bragging on this church every chance I get, how we're just still so very connected, interconnected, and how we're just still just, just, just doing what God called us to do. Don't forget, I shared with our leaders, we have a leadership um, call on Wednesday evenings, and uh, we were sharing last night, and one of the things I shared with them was, take the opportunity now to truly call up friends and families and relatives and neighbors, FaceTime somebody, text somebody, tell them something nice, pray for them, and don't tell them you're praying for them, pray for them on the spot, let them hear you pray for them, be a witness. Try to disciple people in this hour. People are just in their homes, you know. And and what do they use their time to do? A lot of people are using their time to watch TV. But maybe we can get some of that time where we can uh, teach them the Word of God. Disciple them. So look for opportunities. Pray and ask God for guidance. And look for opportunities that we can begin to teach others the Word of God. So they, before it's too late. We don't want people to... Here's what we want to try to help to protect against. We want to reach people now and disciple them. That when we're able to get back in the buildings and begin to come together again, people won't just come for a minute and not stay. They will come and because their life will be so much different, they will stay. They will become a part of the body of Christ because we disciple them. And it won't be like it was in 9-11 when they just came for a drink of water and never stayed because they weren't disciples. Let's start discipling people now so when we can get back in the building, they will be part of the body and they will stay. Amen. Let's pray together as we dismiss tonight. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being attentive. Share the word of God with families and friends and continue to pray one for another. And we will get together Saturday evening at 6.30 for prayer. And of course, Sunday morning, 10.30 sharp, we'll be ready to go. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight for your word and for just the family of God, for this wonderful church that we're all so privileged to be a part of. Lord, we thank you for just revealing some of your word to us that we did not have the revelation to. I pray tonight that the word that was spoken into our hearing will take root into our heart, that it will grow, produce good fruit, and we can be of great use to you, conduits and instruments that you can work through. Father, I pray an anointing upon this congregation that we will be truly close to you, truly being used by you to do your business, Lord. I pray that you will strengthen us, that you will keep us all safe and healthy and strong, and our faith will increase, and that, Lord, we will continue to grow in word, in deed, in fellowship, and just in the Lord. Help us, Lord God. Help us, Lord. Increase this body, Lord God, that we will be stronger than ever, and our faith will be greater than ever. We thank you for all that you have done, all that you continue to do, and we have great anticipation, looking forward to what's ahead. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. I love you so very much. I appreciate you, and I'm so glad that we're together and that we're doing the kingdom of God together. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. Take care and stay safe. In Jesus' name.